Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. South Africa is a country with a very, very difficult and disgraceful racialized history. One where black people and people of color had been deliberately excluded uh, from opportunities of employment and upward mobility and progression there within. It is important then that we have a conversation about how to turn that around. And this is not a new conversation. This conversation started as far back as 1998 when the introduction of the Employment Equity Act first became a South African conversation, right? A piece of law was written that said that it is perfectly legal and okay to use race quotas, gender quotas, and disability quotas, amongst other things, in employment consideration. In fact, that there is an imperative to do so. And this, of course, is to transform what the workplace looks like and to transform what senior management in the workplace looks like, what middle management in the workplace looks like, and what executive management in the workplace looks like. It was an important moment. Much has changed, but much has not changed either. I want to take you through some of the employment stats that we are facing in South Africa at the moment. And it honestly is, uh, for, for the most part, considering how far we've come, disgraceful stats, right? More than 63% or 63.2% of uh, top management position in South Africa are still held by white men in particular. 63.2% of top management positions. Now, I want you to think about what that means. White people are about, what, 12% of the country's population. White men, as a, sing- as a single demographic, are about 6% uh, or slightly even less than that of the country's demographic. 6%. Yet, 6 in 4 top management positions are held by white men in particular. Do you think... On the basis of that, and that's at the top, it it looks equally as bad in the middle. Do you think that the Employment Equity Act has been a successful piece of legislature? If not, why not? Joining me to have this conversation very, very uh, uh, importantly is Kanye Chabalala, who is a transformation specialist in mining uh, with over 20 years experience over there and is also a lawyer with a keen interest in employment equity. I'm also joined by Michael Bagraim, who is a labor attorney, but the spokesperson of the Democratic Alliance on Labor Matters, the Democratic Alliance, of course, opposing certain elements of the amendment of the Employment Equity Amendment Act. Kanye, good evening. Welcome to the show. Has have has the Employment Equity Act of 1998 been a successful piece of legislature? Yes. Good evening. Uh, I'm not saying yes because yes, it is effectively. Ooh, can, you, can I just pause you there? We can't hear you too clearly. It sounds very muffled. Can I ask yes, that you, you speak you directly into your phone? Can you hear me now? A little bit better. Go for it again. Okay, my audible now. Uh, you are. It's just a little bit muffled, but hopefully we'll be able to make out what you say. Do you want to try again? Okay. Am I audible? <clears throat> yes, go ahead. Okay. Look, um, I would say we are slowly moving there, but I think the elements that we're using in driving the implement equity uh, in different sectors. And to me personally, being a transformation specialist, I think... Um, I would say that we are not aligning 
the provisions that are regulating the sector. So in a nutshell, I'm saying that we are not moving. We are, yes, we are slowly moving, but we are not moving as we're supposed to be moving with all the provisions and the, 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 the tools that are given by different sectors to influence the transformation. Yeah, yeah. Michael, uh, uh, the Democratic Alliance many, many years ago opposed the Employment Equity Act because they believed that the free market will self-correct and people who have the necessary talent and meet the merits and requirements of the job should and will get the job, regardless of the country's racialized history where black people were uh, were systematically excluded from accessing certain jobs, accessing certain industries, certain sectors, and uh, making their way up the uh, corporate hierarchy of those institutions. Much, much hasn't changed despite the fact that the Democratic Alliance opposed this. It seems like there's never been a willingness on part of business in South Africa to really transform, and the law as it was has not pushed them enough on this. Well, it just shows you how correct the Democratic Alliance was then. Because, in fact, we've had the law for almost 30 years. And if you look at the law that's put into place, the social engineering as manufactured by the government, it hasn't been successful. I think everyone must accept that. I think we must all confirm that the legislation has not worked. Uh, Whether you're a chain specialist or not, it hasn't worked because you've just read out those figures. The bottom line is the Democratic Alliance said that we need to do other things. They're saying that again. They're still saying that the legislation should not have been passed in the first place. Social engineering throughout history has been wrong. Uh, The Nazis tried it. The National Party tried it. And now the ANC is trying it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What we need to do is a whole lot of other things. And you can't just blame the business sector, and I'm not blaming the business sector. I'm blaming education. I'm blaming the skills. I'm blaming the government for not actually spending its time, energy, and money on upskilling people. That's Mm -hmm. the real bottom line. Mm -hmm. There is no, I I deal with businesses every day. I'm, I'm a labor lawyer, and I deal with businesses every day. Not one business has ever come to me saying, we don't want to employ colored Indian black people. We don't We don't want to do that. Never heard that from anyone. People are desperate for skills. In fact, so desperate that they're even trying to import people. Now, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we've got a young country. We've got a country that's spending an absolute fortune on education, and yet somehow that education is not upskilling. Uh, we have a government that has let down the people of South Africa drastically. So if you take 30 years of history of employment equity, it hasn't worked. So what is the Minister of Employment and Labor's solution to this? Let's make it harsh. Let's let's make it even more stringent. And he's just destroying the business community completely. Is that not perhaps the real issue with the Employment Equity Act, that it wasn't harsh enough, that companies could merely get by by not meeting the numeric uh, requirements and all they had to do was pay a fine? And they realized that they could just continue paying a fine without having to do this. Uh, Of course, if we speak about listed companies, there were even heavier fines with the potential of perhaps in certain sectors of being delisted by the uh, listing authority, in this instance, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, But 
It wasn't harsh enough that companies could get away with not adhering to the law. Surely then, the question should be, how do we make it more legally stringent for companies to not merely get away with paying a fine? Well, look, the bottom line is government can't even run itself. You know that. You know that government has destroyed the economy of, of, the, of the country. They now want to try and run businesses by saying, this is how many people you'll employ in that position. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make it more stringent. In other words, they want to come in and run the business. I mean, that's, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Michael, in fact, those two, sorry, man. Those two things seem completely unrelated. Yeah, you can have a completely inept and, 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 and inadequate government, but saying that, hey, look, we have a, a, a country where the job market doesn't reflect the demographics of the country, where systematically particular groups of people are continuously excluded from certain jobs and certain sectors. Uh, it's a disgrace. We need to fix that. That doesn't mean because government is inept in certain aspects, it can't raise what is a credible argument around the country's disparity. Well, of course, um, of course, they, they go hand in glove, obviously. And I'll tell you why. If you can't run your own business, how are you going to run someone else's business? Let me explain to you. We know that we have almost 7 to 8% of South Africans that are disabled. Now, we want to reflect the disability in the workplace. Let's move away from, from color, from uh, pigment of your skin. Yeah. So let's talk about disability. Government says, yes, we have about 7% and we want to reflect that. Government itself has not reflected even 1% of its own employees as from the disability sector. Why not? What's going on? What are they doing? Why are they discriminating against the disability sector? And the same argument holds in that when you look at business, businesses are there to make a profit and obviously to survive and thrive. Now, no business is ever going to say, actually, you know what? We don't want any black managers. We only want white managers. I've never heard a business say that. And in fact, if any business says that, we've got legislation that can be used immediately. I, I use that legislation every day, the Labor Relations Act. As soon as someone says we're not going to employ any colored people in senior positions, someone applies, they say that or they they make that move, you immediately take them to the CCMA, the Labor Court. We've got a whole lot of institutions. We've got law, very, very good law that can actually then go against that business, strongly go against them, take them to the courts, get judgments against them. And when I put to the minister... What is wrong with the laws that we've got? Have you got examples of people who have applied? I'm a black man. I'm applying for the job. I have the qualifications. I've got the uh, ability and the skills. And you didn't employ me, but you've employed a white man. Give me that person. I'll take that to court for you. I won't charge you a thing for it. Yeah. Because yeah. find that for me. Yeah. Kanye, I'll come back find to you just... Find one example. Yeah. Kanye, I'll come back to you just now. But Michael, I do want you to consider this. Discrimination is not always overt and conspicuous. Discrimination is often inconspicuous and covert. We don't have to say yes. we're not going to hire the black candidate. We just have no, to no, keep no. making the argument that the white candidate was the better, more meritoc meritocratically deserving candidate. But That's yes. the only argument we continue. doesn't mean we're not uh, 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 surreptitiously discriminating. No, no, no. But I'm saying bring that case to me. Find two people who have applied, one white, one black, haven't appointed the black person, and let's go and challenge it. 
But I've asked the minister, I said, come forward with actual names, companies. Let's let's out them. Let's use that and run the case. Because you obviously it's you're not going to say, oh, I don't want to employ the disabled person. I don't like them. What you're going to say is this person's better at the job. Let those people challenge it. An applicant for a job in South Africa today qualifies for the rights under the Labor Relations Act. Those applicants do actually go to the CCMA. They do go to the Labor Court. Mm. And sometimes they correct and sometimes they win. But they're few and far between. I've been practicing labor law for those 30 years that we're talking about in terms of the, the legislation that has failed. And I know that when those cases come forward, they're few and far between. Yes, we have lots of unfair dismissals. We have lots of unfair retrenchments, et cetera, et cetera. But you find me two people equally qualified applying for the job and they take the white man and not the white woman or not the, the black man or the black woman. Bring those cases forward. You ask, go and ask the, the senior commissioner of the CCMA, how many cases of that nature do they actually have? And have a look at those statistics, and you'll find that it's thin. Yeah. You'll find that it doesn't really exist. There are a few. I've run a few myself, and I've won a few. So there are people out there that are discriminatory. Let's, let's, uh, let's understand that. We come from a very, very fractured past. Yeah, but at the but end of the day, this is, not, this is not needed to have extra legislation that is acting as a handbrake to job creation in South Africa. We have 40% unemployment. When you look at our youth, in some of the townships, our youth are not given any skills. They're given poor schooling. It's, it's worse than we've ever seen. It's getting worse every single quarter. We've just seen the latest yeah. quarter. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do want us to, 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 uh, to, to, to uh, put a pin in the skills conversation because I want to th treat that as a separate question a little bit later on. But Kanye, I want you to consider, for instance, uh, the scenario Michael is painting there. You have two candidates, one white, one black, equally qualified, applying for the job, and the job goes to the white candidate. It's quite easy for the hiring manager to say, well, we chose the white person because we thought there would be a better culture fit for our corporate culture. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to a private institution that tells you that, right? The hiring manager made, an, made a, a hire that they thought were in the best interest of the company and that was the better candidate and they used an intangible qualifier such as hypothetically speaking a culture fit to justify the appointment surely that is where the real action of discrimination and exclusion in corporate south africa takes place look in response to to to, to that i feel like with my colleague in work. look there was no need to get to change or amend the legislation. I still feel that the, 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 there were no measures or monitoring and evaluations. I mean, if we start putting the numerical goals based on the business needs, it's, it's, it's all about looking at the sector itself and look, we need to put these things together. We need to make sure that we align all the provisions together to understand that what are the business needs and what is the sector needs. And we referring to the issue of skills development. Once we start putting the numerical goals, what tools are we using? Look at the mining sector. In the mining sector, we've got provisions of of, of mining charter, the BE, and the skills development, which is the MTA and that. So those are the elements that should be driving our numerical goals. But are we effectively implementing them? That is questionable. 
Because why have we failed? Where, where, where is the mechanistic failure in the implementation of our numeric targets? The, 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 the issue is, do we have our regulator on the ground to make sure that those numerical goals, the plans that are submitted, are monitored and are effectively implemented? So that's where the question is. Because if the, those numerical goals are not looked at, and we're not also looking at the, um, the, the EAP itself, remember, there is a fair labor, there is a fair discrimination. When you get to a certain area, it's, talk, it's talking about white males that are underrepresented. Based on the, on the active population, we cannot say that it's discrimination because it's white males. But the EAP should give us the justification yeah. in terms of that. Yeah. So, I, I, so there is no way that we can be saying that, I feel like, like I'm saying that, I fully agree with my colleague, that there is no company that we can pinpoint and say, uh, this company didn't take a white male. Can you define and, and justify this based on what? So if we're not using our EAP correctly, we are not putting numerical goals, and the numerical and the target, I mean, when you look at the, uh, 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 the BE itself, it talks management control. How do you drive management control if you don't have numerical goals? How yeah. do you drive management control if you don't have skills that drives your successful planning in the, in the plan? But, 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 but can you, plan. As, as it currently stands, the amendment, as was signed into law by the president yet to take effect, uh, was mm. exactly about empowering the Minister of Employment and Labor to have the powers to be able to set numerical goals for each sector and industry. And once we have those numerical goals, uh, you are only exempted from them if there's a really special circumstance that surrounds your business and its operations from achieving that. Um, I fully agree with that. But my only concern is, are we going to monitor and evaluate that? Remember, we can come up with any provision, we can come up with any act, but are we implementing and monitoring if there is a change? The change cannot come if we don't enforce it or if we don't put the, uh, uh, the, the, the correct tools to monitor to make sure that the change happens. The change cannot happen through the legislation. The change needs the industry to be monitored and checked. What does that mean? We need more labor inspectors? Definitely. We need more labor inspectors that come on board. That, right. And also to make sure that we, we, we make... We, we introduce this uh, to make this change. I mean, this is a change that needs to happen. And it doesn't come easy. It affects yeah. the business itself, but it also needs to also understand that while we're looking at the profit, do we balance the two? Do we also balance the equity and make sure that there is no inclusion? Yeah, you understand? absolutely. So to me, it's, it's, it's not a matter of push. It's a matter of how do we make sure that we balance each other without compromising the economy as well? Yeah. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. I'm taking your reactions to this conversation on the other side of this break. South Africa, your all-time favorite is back with yet another season. DJ Shelley continues to dish out the music clues while Emo Adams spurs the contestants on. It's all about music, fun, and a whole lot of laughter on Nuit for Nuit, Wednesdays in our 7 p.m. entertainment slot, only on SABC2. June 1976, a group of South African students launched a peaceful protest which shook the world. Youth have the power to change societal norms. Use your power in the fight against sexual abuse. Speak up. Use your voice. Call star 134 star 7355 hash and select speak 
up. This is an SABC initiative. You are listening to Night Dog, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. It is seven minutes to the top of the hour. This is Night Talk. You're listening to uh, myself, Oliver Dixon. I'm in conversation with Kanye Chabalala, who is an employment equity specialist, an attorney, as well as Michael Bagram of the Democratic Alliance, the spokesperson of the DA on labor issues himself, a labor lawyer. Let's go to the lines. Debucho in Katlehong. Debucho, good evening. Debucho? Yes. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, Debucho. Go right ahead. Yes. You know, with due respect to you, to Mike, uh, I'm going to be practical here. Uh, as much as he's trying to be practical, and I feel as if he's coming across as being condescending, condescending to us. You know, ever since I started working from the age of 20, I'm now 38. From the middle, literally from the bottom, management until upwards i've worked under white people and uh, specifically white males and if i were to to say if you can go whether it's banking mining and all sorts of other sectors you find that it's white people who are at that at those management levels and when you're talking business it's white people own yeah. business yeah, it's why people own this business, and they are the ones who go, who dictate who gets hired. Go, go to the top forty of the GSE. It hasn't transformed. How many black CEOs? How many? You know, it hasn't transformed, sir. It's practical. I, 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 I don't know what he's saying. They, what numbers, whatever numbers he wants to talk. But I, as a black man living in South Africa. I haven't seen this transformation that he's talking of. Mm. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's still yet to yeah. happen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you so much for that. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. I, I appreciate it. Michael, as it currently stands, there's there's, there's a settlement agreement uh, between the Minister of Labor, Tulas Klesi, as well as Solidarity, the Labor Union. Uh, the settlement agreement emanating from the CCMA does not exclude... Uh, the minister's discretionary uh, statutory powers uh, that will empower the minister to be able to set research-based uh, uh, numeric targets for each sector in the country. Once those uh, numeric targets have been set, businesses, and of course this will apply to businesses with 50 or more employees, will either have to uh, make a case for why they haven't been able to meet those targets or will have to meet those targets. And the work of transformation is not always comfortable and easy. It means that sometimes companies need to reflect internally and ask themselves, why do we not attract enough black professionals, for instance, black accountants, when there is a clear abundance of black accountants in the country? Perhaps there is structurally or culturally something wrong with those sort of companies. Surely it's time for South African corporations to look themselves in the mirror and ask hard questions to themselves, as did the CEO of Clicks and the backlash he received from South African consumers, largely white consumers, was that we don't think transformation should be an imperative. Look, uh, let me tell you right up front, I think transformation is an imperative. And I think we need to actually change our mindset. There I agree. 
But for the minister to have the sole discretionary power to set targets, no matter who he consults with, is poppycock. It's it's going to be absolutely destructive. We've got to know a few things. Why First is that? Of all, well, let me explain. You've got a man who's going to consult. Now, he, the history of consultation doesn't mean you have to take it into account. It doesn't mean you have to listen to it, and it doesn't mean you have to listen to reason. So you've got an industry which he knows nothing about. He's never worked in the industry. We're going to get that man to then set a target for that industry. All the industries are complaining, all of them. And they're saying they would rather just shrink their workforce and computerize. They would outsource. Um, and all businesses in South Africa are talking that way. We already have a situation in South Africa where businesses are on an investment strike and they're not investing in themselves. And they're specifically saying that we can't have an outsider run our business. I must, first of all, right now up front, uh, commend the CCMA for that agreement, the settlement agreement that they did pull off. Um, they, they are a wonderful institution and actually showed us as South Africans that we can actually run things properly. So big kudos to the CCMA. So, so, so just to be clear to here, Cameron, Michael, you're, yeah. not, you're not opposed to, and the Democratic Alliance is not opposed to numeric targets existing. They're just opposed to the Minister of Labor having that statutory discretionary power. No, we, we are opposed to targets. Okay. For To have targets and to have that sort of thing outside a business and for someone outside the business to say it, we're very much opposed to targets. We're very much opposed to social engineering. We're harking back to the National Party. Then, then you can't again. really how, say... How gonna, then you can't really say... I, I Just just a sec. You can't well, then... Th th there's, a, there's a logical inconsistency there because you can't say... I am pro-transformation. I just don't think we should have transformation targets. No, of course not, because it depends on the business, what they can get, what they can't get, how they can grow their business. No one is looking to say, I want to have white people only. And that company must be taken to court. Will you put a proposition to my colleague just now by saying oh, we, there's no cultural fit? That is challengeable in every single court in this country. And they must come forward and say that, and then we must challenge that. It doesn't. It doesn't help to say we're not. We're not showing the the numeric targets because the the legislation okay. seems to fail. So let's make it harder. Let me let me just put it to you this way quickly. Have we got inspectors who can come and determine whether Michael Bagram is white-colored Indian or Chinese? Okay. Where are we going to do that? Are we going to bring in the pencil test again? Uh, what are we going to do to do that? Let, let's be practical I mean, we, we, about we, it. We, we do have, identifies black? We, we do have Home Affairs, and that's an institution very clearly being capable of recording such information. But, Kanye, just a last question here. Michael says that targets won't achieve that. Your final comment on that in the last minute we have. And then that is that uh, we need to put standards to be measured. If we really want to change to have the transformation, we have to put measures. So without putting the targets, there's no way that you can say there is a change and there's compliance and there are people that are committed to make the change that we want to see. So to me, it's numerical goals must be set so that we can see the change. Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight.